Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome back with the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. This is episode 162. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, we got news with the Railroad Commission this week. We got nukes blowing up all over the world. People getting rid of nuclear power out of out of desire to be more green. There's a lot going on out there, man. How are things on your end? A lot going on. Um, Josh, we are at 279 reviews, five-star reviews. Um, tax day has not been moved back, which means next Wednesday. So we will announce our winner on the 20th, I guess, two Mondays from now for the roast review, unless they push it back. We do have 279 five-star reviews, which takes us to the year 1741. Nate, don't look it up. Do you know, this is your hero as far as I'm concerned. Do you know which one of your heroes was born in 1741? You are looking it up. I can tell by the look on your face. 1741. Uh, I do not know. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You looked it up. Benedict Arnold was born January 14th, 1741. What a communist that guy was. Oh, you talk about, you know, we always talk about being the wrong side of history. That dude was on the wrong side of history. And what better way to honor him than after the, the post-4th of July show where we mock him for being a treasonous loser hack that he was. Don't send me some biography on Benedict Arnold. I don't know. I'm just, you know, it, it sounds good today. It just sounds good today. Uh, born in 1741, died in 1801 at the age of 60. Um, yeah, so Benedict Arnold, what a turncoat. All right. Um, so there's your history lesson for the day. Nate, um, any thoughts about your hero before we move on? Uh, Benedict Arnold was a complex figure and he had a mostly peaceful military career. Um, <laughs> He's in jail? Or? <laughs> mostly loyal too, actually, uh, if I'm to speak like a CNN anchor. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, no, he sucks. Perish <laughs> the memory. If we have any statues built to him, those should be Let's torn be down, down and thrown into the Atlantic. <laughs> oh, man. So I hope everyone had a wonderful uh, 4th of July. It was interesting because, Josh, you know, you're sitting here. Whether you want to equate the, the COVID shutdowns to the tyranny of the you know, 1776 and all that or not, it's just, it was just interesting that you're sitting here you know, with debate over what government re- overreach really looks like in 2020 as we um, went into the, the Independence Day weekend. So I thought that was, uh, that was interesting just to kind of see that play out. And um, you know, we said back in Ju- what, June, I guess we're in July now, right? Yeah, we're in July. So back in June that you know the shutdowns if we start shutting things back down down again that you know we're we're going to really suffer as an industry and we haven't fully opened back up and so um you know we we need to uh watch it and i'm gonna link to a book on the covid stuff in the show notes i sent to you nate right you know link that book in the show notes and listen don't don't send me a thing about the about the guy personally just all i suggest is it's a good history of what's happened over the past two months it's a Kindle book. You can read it in an hour. Um, whether you're pro-mask, anti-mask, or whatever, it is good. We always talk about, what's the saying goes? If you don't study history, you repeat the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
just go read the history. Whether you agree with his conclusions or not, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of Yashi credit. There's not a lot of conclusions in there, right? It's mainly there's sometimes he makes some conclusions or draws some inferences, but it's mainly just just strictly the history. Yeah, just a, it's a good way of getting the chronology straight. So when the, the report came out that 2.2 million were going to die if we didn't take measures, 1.1 million would die if we took extreme measures and we waited in shutdowns until the vaccine came out. Like that was the real news at the time. Mm-hmm. And then you know, like a week and a half later it dropped to 200,000 um, with, uh, with, you know, so anyway, he, he just follows the chronology of how these reports come out, how they're changing, how they're morphing and, and how the stances are changing, which is, I mean, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And so one thing he did that he took a, a, a ship, uh, I think in France and, you know, so they're contained, can't, can't go nowhere basically. And he talked about how many people actually got the coronavirus on the ship and it wasn't a hundred percent. And so there is some speculation that maybe there's, uh, whatever it was, 20 or 30% of people who just won't catch it. But anyways, I thought there's stuff like that. Though. That's that's kind of him making uh, a possible prediction, but it is something that you ha- that I haven't considered that. Well, okay, maybe 100%, maybe a 100% can't get it. Um, but, you know, the other thing, Josh, just as an aside, on the two million deaths, you remember me, you and Nate were sitting around going, two million are going to die. Okay, well, it's got to be the older people. That's who's most susceptible because we we'd already knew that because of what we'd seen. And that wasn't being reported. One of the things he points out is if you go read the paper, the paper made it clear it was going to be the elderly. That's the first time I've heard anyone admit that. Yeah. Because the media was talking about everyone's going to die, but he went and read the paper and it's like, well, it's the elderly going to die. So, um, which has been a sore spot of frustration um, because the two million people as the media portrayed it was going to be equally spread across the population. We're all going to die, this, that, and the other. And at the time that was known to not be true. If you'd looked at the data, um, I did not know the paper. I thought the paper was saying, cause I didn't go read it. I thought paper saying two million people equally were going to die, which is kind of how the media made it out to be. But even the paper, according to him, said it was two million people mainly with the elderly, which is an as- astonishing thing to stop think about. Because, like I said, um, if we if I told you a virus is coming to the U.S., it's going to kill people mainly sixty five and over. Kids aren't going to die. You know, uh, people mine your age, you know, they hit or miss, but probably not going to die. Um, the older you get, the more conditions you have, you're going to die and could die pretty quickly. Um, would we shut down the economy over that? And the answer probably for most people is no. And that's not what was portrayed to our nation. What was portrayed to our nation was we're all going to die of the coronavirus. Um, two million people are going to die. And we have to you know, watch out for this. And all the policy decisions that we made as far as whether you're pro-Trump, anti-Trump, uh, whatever, um, ignored the larger narrative that the elderly were always the most vulnerable. And I say this, and you guys are my witness, we knew this. The three of us knew this before whatever paper came out or anything. So this is not hidden news. And that's what's been frustrating through this whole thing. I'm not saying that if you're 35, you can't get it down or anything like that. But um, it was interesting to hear that the, that, that paper actually referred to the, those people as being the most vulnerable as well. I did not know that. Did you know that? I didn't know the paper referred to that. I did know that it was going to be older people that were going to die just from looking at China, Italy. Yeah, we knew, we, yeah, so, so we knew the old people were going to, we, we knew the older people were going to die. And remember we had a conversation in, in the office, like too many people are going to die. Well, we know who it's going to be. Why is no one talking about this? We were really frustrated that yeah. no one was talking about that. Uh, yeah. And I didn't read the paper. Um, now I wish I would have. I didn't know that it was actually saying that what we, what we already knew to be true, which goes to show you just, how little thoughtfulness is being done when you report on this. Again, I'm not saying, you know, mask or no mask. That's a, that's a debate that can be had. I'm just simply saying we have known a lot more than we act like we knew. Um, and I have thought I was crazy at points along this process. 
um, because of how the media has reported this thing. And it, you know, the further we go along, the, the, the more I look back and go, this was a, this is going to go down as a travesty. It's travesty that people are dying. Let's not make light of that. It's travesty that people are dying. Um, we just know, I know the three of us know someone who just got um, coronavirus and is in the, um, the demographic that makes it very troubling and scary. And we, we hope that she makes it a speedy recovery and nothing goes well. Um, but the, the larger travesty uh, as a society is, you know, not only do we not protect those who need protection, um, we ignored that reality. We did all kinds of other stuff that we're still trying to figure out how to deal with. So anyways, COVID rant over for the day. One, gonna... one more, one more jab, Ron. <laughs> one more jab. I got to get one jab in there. Look, so if, if there's anybody that's in danger in this whole country, it's going to be the old folks. How much of a moron do you have to be to have people testing positive and sending them back to nursing yeah. homes? Like, yeah. yeah. And that's the it. one group of people that are most at risk. You got to be, you got to be pretty. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's, just, it's astonishing that there's no calls for Como's resignation. Astonishing. Um, and, and so, yeah, so you can be mad at how Trump handled it one way or another. That's fine. But, uh, but there's plenty. Can we at of- least get the Catholic church to excommunicate him. <laughs> something, something. I mean, it's sorry about that. That's the excommunication. That's sound. the excommunication fairy coming in to kick him out. I did not mean to press that button, but, uh, but there it is. So yes, the excommunication fairy is coming to kick out Como. All right, let's get to oil and gas news. I'm COVID did outfit all right first article railroad commission releases monitoring monitoring enforcement plan so uh they have a document for 2021 the plan is uh one of a variety of avenues rrc uses to provide transparency about the agency's work so they're going to pull in some drones and they're going to start monitoring things out uh, in the oil patch and and also they're, they're putting together some um uh, a team to mobilize to deal with disasters or emergencies. So uh, they're putting together some programs to help speed to these emergencies quicker, increase speed. Rather. Yeah, it's interesting because you're looking at it right now and, um, you know, the downtime is the downtime, the best time to figure out stuff like this. And you know, on some level, it probably is right. Cause they probably have a lot of lessons learned from, you know, the, the boom that they've had the, the past couple of booms and, um, you know, what they miss, what they didn't miss. And so um, it's going to be interesting to see how this actually works, you know, um, if we hit another drilling boom in the next six months or a year, which I don't, I don't, I'm not saying we will, but if we do, well, all of a sudden these be the things that they, that they look back to and go, oh yeah, these are good changes or will it be a typical government failure? I'll let you guess what you, what I think is going to happen. I'll let you, you decide. Yeah. Well, it, it makes a note in there too, that there's a lot of rules that come out from the railroad commission that people aren't aware of. So they're trying to do some, what they're called educational outreach to help operators better understand commission rules. So their efforts are going to include annual regulatory conference, regulatory forums at sites near large concentrations of oil and gas workers, presentations, industry events, and you know, several other things that they mentioned, seminars, workshops. Um, it's one of those things where uh, you, you go in and you make the, the rules so convoluted <laughs> that they have to have more rules to explain those rules and, uh, and on it goes. So. Right. And, and so wherever you're at on the regulation spectrum, if you're heavy regulation or light regulation, just, just realize that the more regulation it is, 
the more it, it the more advantage it is to a big company. So you know, if you're ExxonMobil, you have a, probably a team or teams of regulatory um, experts or whatever that all they do is go sit at conferences like this and read this stuff and then report back to you know whoever and update policies or whatever. But if you're a you know a, a mom and pop operator, well, you got to stop what you're doing. You go read this. You go attend a seminar and stuff like that. So it's always sometimes this this regulatory stuff is rolled out as um, a good thing. And then, you know, we can debate on a case by case basis, which is good or not. But if it's to the point where you have so many rules that you have to have a seminar, then people can't go do what they do to make money. They have to go, you know, learn about how to do something, you know? So, and with the debate in the industry right now, a lot of people are mad at the large uh, shell companies, large frackers, because they feel like they've kind of hijacked the industry and all this stuff, even though they've made enormous amounts of wealth for the, for the service companies. Um, you know, it's okay. Well, if you want to support mom and pops, well, the more regulation for the more regulation you have, the harder it is for mom and pop to keep up with that because they have to, unless the railroad commission is using some kind of, you know, undefinable grace period, um, they have to know what the rules are and they have to go drill the well and they have to go do this. And that, you know, so, um, so that's the thing that kind of gets lost in these discussions is the railroad commission to their credit, it sounds like it's trying to educate people, but you still have companies that, they have to stop what they're doing to go listen to what it is they listen to. Right. And so that's, that's just a, it's good, bad, good, good or bad reality. It's just, you know, something to consider. Next article I have uh, from the Houston Chronicle, uh, clean energy is eclipsing oil and gas in Texas. Uh, I uh, almost got a hernia laughing uh, at it when I first read it, but uh you know, it's interesting to me, Ryan, that this comes out after, you know, oil hits negative $40 a barrel. And then an article like this comes out and says that the clean energy is eclipsing oil and gas in Texas. Uh, you know, I, it's a little disingenuous to me. I, what do you think about it? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I see the article. It's true. I mean, there's, there's probably a sense of there's a time where it, it dipped down pretty low, but it seems like it's going to come back. Well, let me, let me just ask you if this is a true statement or not. Natural gas prices blow past oil and gas prices. Could we write that headline this year? Yeah. Yes, it would take like minus 40, right? Yeah. So natural gas for a period of time was actually what forty, forty-two dollars more expensive than oil was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, what you're pointing at is is that an anomaly or is that the new normal or a new pattern? Or is that something that's gonna be you know a, a shifted dynamic? With the natural gas analogy, we, we know that that's just a simple, um, at least for you know, now, is going to be a, a short-term thing, right? We don't expect the price of natural gas to be more than the price of oil for a longer period of time. I think we talked about this a week or two ago, about the 4 billion people in emerging markets, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you want to believe that renewable energy is the future, fine, no, no problem there. If you want to believe that oil and gas is going away, then you simply either A, have to presume that those 4 billion people will live in, you know, uh, wherever they're at or a lower state of wealth now than they do now, okay? So they're not going to increase. B, if they do increase, somehow they're going to build a modern society without the things that we have, you know, so plastics and all the stuff that we have. Um, and they're going to find, they're going to find some substitute for that. Um, and, and, and see that the way we power these emerging markets from emerging to first world 
is going to be that renewables can uh, can do that job at a level that is not proven right now. And so, yeah, I, I think when you know when the prices are low and the industry is shaky, then sure you're you're going to see an uptick in renewables. And there, I don't have anything against renewables; good for renewables. Um, but this view that oil and gas is dead. Listen, I ain't saying it's coming back this week, this month, this year. I ain't saying that. But this view that we've hit peak demand is unbelievably naive. Unless you have some kind of, unless you're going on like the unicorn deal, like there's going to be a unicorn who's going to come in and you know and you know and and, and kind of change how the world works. Um, unless you've got the unicorn theory out there, which you can't disprove. Um, if you're just looking at how the world works today, think about the United States of America can fit in the Sahara Desert in Africa. Okay, it's not that big Africa is. Think about all the roads that have to be built in Africa. Not just and then all the roads have to be upgraded. All the bridges. Think about all that stuff. All the hospitals, all of the schools, all the apartment buildings, all this stuff. Um, that's just this Africa. It's not, it's not South America. It's not China. It's not India. It's not Pakistan. Um, so you start doing all that, and and the math becomes pretty quick that oil and gas isn't going anywhere. That does not mean that renewables might have a bigger role in a certain spot that oil and gas had, right? So the, so the focus might go from, well, oil and gas is providing, you know, 15 things. Uh, and now it's going to doing 14 because renewables picked up a slack here. That, that's a fine debate to have. Uh, but to say it's going away is, is, um, is a little bit naive to say it's going to struggle for the next year or two. Now that's, that's quite possible. I mean, I don't, I don't have an opinion, but I want to come back, but, it's possible to say that next year or two is going to be bad. It's going to be, it's going to be rough. Um, but to say that we're at peak demand, it, it, I, don't, I don't know how we, I don't know how you can get to that, that without some kind of unicorn theory. Well, Dallas Cowboys owner is uh, coming back. Uh, Comstock, uh, Jerry Jones are drilling for some uh, oil wells in East Texas here pretty soon. Our good friend, uh, Sergio. Okay. Broken in no, silence. No, 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 no. Let's not, let's not say his name. Let's, let's talk about Sergio. We hadn't talked about that name. Sergio and Stephanie, the intern, I think are conspiring. I'm glad you brought this up. So Sergio sends me a, a text the other day. Let's see here. He said, um, this is Wednesday last week. No horizontal drilling permit filed in the Permian over the past week. I'm starting a drought watch. I was kind of stunned. Wow, the Permian went from, what, 100 permits to none? Okay. Then he sends back, oh, I mean the Barnett. So uh-huh. just, just like, well, okay. So then he goes to say we had eight the previous week. So this would be like the last week of June. Now, did, did we cover the rig boom in, uh, in the, in the Barnett? I don't remember that, which means that Stephanie didn't send it in. Right. Well, she didn't. She yeah. missed it. And what you guys may not know is that Sergio and Stephanie somehow, uh, connected on LinkedIn and, and are now talking. And so it feels like the conspiracy, Whatever you want to say about the COVID conspiracy, the Barnett conspiracy is growing day by day. And so it's, uh, it's troubling. It's concerning. Um, and so I just wanted you guys to know that we didn't, that somehow we didn't know about the eight rig boom in the Barnett. Uh, or that's eight rig boom, eight, eight permits that were filed. So um, it feels like Stephanie, the intern, is conspiring with Sergio to keep the Barnett down. And, you know, what do you want me to do? So, How convenient that we didn't hear about this at all from anybody. How convenient that we didn't hear about this at all from anybody. 
Oh, but 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 when Arlington, the communist regime in Arlington, uh, decided to revoke permits in our, uh, uh, in the Barnett, Sergio was like live streaming it, having a Facebook watch party. You know, it was on Twitch. You know, it was taking donations, eating his popcorn. Yes, uh, the Center for Double Biological Triple Diversity, or whatever they are, they were on. Like it was a big deal when they were rejecting our permits. But when we have eight rigs, well, we have eight, eight permits go through. It's like, oh, all of a sudden we don't, we don't, we don't report that news. Uh, that's so whatever yeah just anyways josh go ahead with your story about sergio and jerry jones and whatever it was it's so uh so jerry jones company comstock they filed for four drilling permits in east texas eight divided uh, by four eight, eight, eight uh four is twice as few as or 50 percent less than, than eight right yeah yeah okay i'm just making sure like like so four little measly permits gets the headline story on the Takes One Guest podcast, but not not the eight that born it. Okay, cool. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. So here it has uh, some information. Uh, top ten Texas drillers. Uh, there's it's interesting looking at that list. Not not necessarily because who's on it, but because of who's not. I mean, so Diamondback was at the top with nine. Uh, interesting enough, no Exxon, no EOG, no Marathon, no uh, Endeavor. Well, yeah, so I'm looking at that too, Josh. It might be just the Eagle Fruit. That's what I was thinking. That's what I'm thinking because I can't tell. Uh, yeah, because it says Eagle Fruit Shell. It says more information. The way the article uh, comes pre-formatted on the Chronicle page. So it might be the uh, the Eagle Fruit Shell only. I think I think's what that is. Uh, it's just that more information in that line kind of make you kind of. Yeah, but it, it has a top 10 Texas drillers, not top 10 Eagle Fruit. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Um, yeah, no Oxy, no EOG, like you said. Pioneers on there, Comstock's on there, Shale's on there, Conoco, Rose City. Yeah, I don't, yeah, maybe it is the whole Texas deal. It's a it's a weird formatting thing. So, uh, hmm. Yeah, you'd be better off just covering more of the Barnett. <clears throat> yeah, well, that'd be nice. You know, that'd be nice. Now it's only through June twenty fourth through the thirtieth. So, uh, so who filed those eight permits? Because obviously those those eight would be the top, like that would be the top, top 10, right? Unless it was I mean, like if you, if you filed eight permits and the top, the top guys got nine, then, you know, it feels like we should be up there. The Barnett show should have anyways, but uh, yeah. So, well, there's a, uh, there's another article I mentioned uh, in my, in my opening. Uh, there was a, so Iran declines to disclose calls of mysterious nuke site fire. Uh, so, <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. So I was like, wow, man. So I, I got to looking in there and it's it's kind of strange. Uh, over in, in uh, Dubai, there's video messages purportedly claiming responsibility for fire that analysts say damaged a centrifuge assemblies plant at Iran's underground Natanz nuclear site. Um, Somewhere so, there's, calling, for a nuclear, uh, calling for a bombing campaign today. Huh? Somewhere John Bolton's calling for a bombing campaign oh, today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, that's OB. That's be his response. Yeah, that uh, is interesting, though. It's kind of a mysterious deal where um, they're not disclosing the location. It's kind of trying to keep it under wraps as much as possible about where it's at, what exactly happened. And it, it's 2020, know. man. It's like this is this this is 2020 story right here, right? Yeah, and this this article actually goes uh, goes into the next one I put them together uh, just because I wanted to note on something. So Germany. Um, is the first major economy to phase out coal and nuclear. And I was just, I mean, when I first read that, I was like, well, why coal and nuclear? Like, I understand 
why they're phasing out certain things, but like coal and nuclear seem to be at like opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, nuclear yep. is going to be incredibly efficient, generate long-term, clean yeah, long-term clean energy and coal, not so much. So uh, what, why is it that nuclear is being lumped in with this? Is it because, is it conspiratorial where they're actually trying to limit people's access to energy by giving them stuff that's not, not as good, but it's clean. So clean means it's more expensive and also it's not bountiful. Or is it something even more stupid uh, than that? <laughs> I don't know what Germany's actual, um, and I, I, I did have some uh, research on this at one time. I can't remember uh, the Global Energy There's podcast. I'm going to say we talked about this at one point, but I'll just say this. Um, this goes back to what I was saying a minute ago, which is, you know, if you want to get rid of oil and gas, okay, that's fine. Um, but you had to figure out how you're going to you know, replace it, uh, where it strategically needs to be replaced at. Well, nuclear, obviously, in my opinion, has a huge um, spot in the future, unless we figure out some better way to have cleaner, longer lasting energy than nuclear. The problem with nuclear is, is the fear mongering that goes on around it. Now, listen, we, I, I say this as someone who lives within 20 miles, probably not even that, of a, of a nuclear power plant. So I'm not like saying this and there's no nuclear power plants around me. There is one just somewhere around here, um, relatively close. And so, so I live in fear daily of a meltdown. No, but you know, it's like, well, okay, well, hold on. Um, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of a meltdown? Well, okay, I, that's, that's, a, that's a reasonable concern. But if the world is going to end due to global warming, what's worse, the meltdown or the global warming? Like if the oceans are going to rise, if, you know, the, the ozone layer is going to uh, disappear, or you can have the risk of a meltdown, which side of that argument do you want to be on? Yeah, I mean, then there might be a third option in there where you live without AC, and that's the worst of all three. Amish, me, so. Amish, well, obviously the Amish lifestyle. Yeah, they, they go Amish, yeah. yeah. I, I mean – Bring, bring, bring the ocean and those on home, baby. I ain't going on AC now. So, <laughs> I just, I'm being serious, Josh. If the greatest threat to humanity, which it's 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 COVID slash uh, global warming now, but um, you know it's it's global COVID warming. Um, if that is the greatest threat to humanity, and you're saying we can have clean energy with nuclear, but we might have a meltdown, or or we're going to have to use less efficient man, uh, ways to power stuff. It seems that the nuclear is a no-brainer. So to your question is, is why? It's expensive. There ain't no doubt about it. It's expensive. That's part of the problem with nuclear. Um, but it's expensive because we've regulated it. You know, we talk about regulation. Good Lord, Doc, I would not survive a day in the nuclear industry. Like, <laughs> you talk about over-regulation. Um, and so it makes it expensive. But, yeah, I, I think that nuclear make nuclear great again. Nuclear will have its day unless they find something to replace it with. And I will say, I've said this for years now, let's just hope for the sake of Germany and wherever that they realize that they need a source like nuclear through wisdom and logical thinking, not through massive rolling blackouts where people go, it's a hundred degrees or or 30, negative 30 degrees, I don't, I don't know what the temperature highs and lows in Germany, whatever it is, whatever the extreme weather is, uh, part of the year. Um, and they don't go, my kids are dying because we couldn't have nuclear because we were afraid of some meltdown. Because once that happens, these arguments don't matter anymore. 
when you can't power your house because you went to some kind of um, technology that's not reliable, whatever you want to say about your, your little green movement, that, that goes away. And so hopefully um, they have a good plan in place. And seriously, the nuclear needs to be back. I don't know why. why oh, hold- well, hopefully it becomes like voluntary and all the, the green folks go on to it and then they have to deal with some Texas summers for you know a few days. The green movement will die so fast. Uh, it, it's interesting, too. I'm looking at some of the ways they're trying to get rid of coal in Germany. So this is a quote. You just have to make it so expensive that it's not profitable anymore to turn coal into electricity. Hmm. So you want to know how they want to get rid of coal? They're going to put a carbon tax on it. That's going to make it so expensive that the business they're going to put the businesses out of out of business. So it's not that the coal isn't producing cheap electricity. It is. Mm-hmm. It's too cheap. It's so cheap that people can afford it. So we have to make it where it, it. We have to make it more expensive than it actually is. And I wonder who's getting that leftover money, Ron. The the money that's so the coal companies getting X that tax money, those carbon tax. I wonder if it's going to those lawmakers who are implementing these laws into their green friends that are no, it's, it's no, Josh is going to feed the homeless. I'm sure homelessness oh, yeah, yeah. is eradicated. They have no one hungry. Matter of fact, they, you know what? I bet if you went and looked at Germany's economy through the COVID shutdowns, like they're just passed out hundred dollar bills because you know, they, you know, they, they know what they're doing. And so they, um, they probably have the most efficiently ran government ever. And therefore they can do this and just you know, pass out hundies to, to wherever they want to. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's what's happening. They are, actually generating generational wealth. Germany might not work for three or four generations because of this tax. Like they're just going to sit around and just be like, you know what, we're, we're going to hang out and have Oktoberfest year round. Speaking of which, Oktoberfest is canceled. Not that I was going to go, but that's just, that's just depressing. This is depressing. Is it, is it canceled for 2021 too? I mean, they may as well. Might as well. Um, yeah. What, so well, Nate's coming in. I can see him. What, Nate? We have nothing to look forward to now. 2020 <laughs> has been ruined. 2020 has been ruined. We're having this depressing summer and we're going to have this great celebration where we could just forget all of our troubles and drown them in beer, but no. The running the bulls is canceled. Yep. Um, You know, I was actually supposed to go this year to that. Uh, This is, I should be there right now now that I think about it. Wow, this is getting depressing. This is getting depressing. Um, Give me some good news, Josh. Yeah. All right, we got Texas Roundup for the day. We're going to cover a couple of stories. Uh, Ryan, I think you just got to be selective. Like, shut your hearing off. There might be <laughs> one story here that's good news. Uh, so Exxon faces more pressure than ever to release a private outlook. Many people, uh, this has to do with some of the green movement. So a lot of people are wanting Exxon to give some true numbers uh, so that investors can see what their intentions are with the, their carbon footprint and how they're going to address these. Uh, what, investors what is in air quotes, right? Yeah. Investors, you mean the mob that will put the ungodly amount of pressure on them to act the way they want them to act. That's By the mob, you're talking about the politicians, right? The politicians, the green pieces of the world, um, the greenies who just lose their ever flipping mind when you do anything, and yet they, they live off of all the benefits of oil and gas. That's who I'm talking about. But yeah. you know, Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. And, and, air quotes, investors. Yeah, so so, uh, they're calling for, I guess, more transparency from Exxon to um, uh, to help people understand what their plans are in the future. What they're trying to do is discourage people from investing in Exxon, honestly. Um, Well, only invest if, you know, you're going to meet the current green initiative today. Um, Which is their attempt to try to make it more expensive, see? 
See what the, the coal thing. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. It almost sounds like, yeah, okay. Go ahead, sir. Sounds like the Germany coal thing. Uh, so, uh, next article with Exxon was Exxon's historic losses multiply on virus driven crude slump. So, it has uh, a couple of numbers from Exxon. Uh, let's see. The Explorers Oil and Gas Natural Natural Gas Unit took a hit of as much as $3.1 billion as prices for these commodities slumped. Um, and then it just goes to give some more some more numbers. So uh, this was the Permian Basin's biggest uh, driller. Um, they, they drilled more wells than, than anyone. And uh, they're taking some pretty big hits. So they're going to have a big part to play in, uh, in the Permian's future. So uh, keeping up with them is, is a good indicator of how the, I believe, how the Permian is going to look. And based on... The only thing to watch is, is that if they acquiesce to the green movement, they might not be able to be a big player in the Permian Basin. I mean, I don't, I don't think yeah, they have to go but, overseas or whatever. But you got to think, you know, if they're sitting there going, okay, well, we got to watch this, we got to watch this, we got to make sure, we got to be careful. And that and the interesting thing could be is that we said um, that we felt like by 2025, you know, something like that, that you would see a lot of the majors out there kind of run the, run the, the, the Permian Basin. Uh, and I still think that's the, play, the, the, the case. And then we said, well, with the pandemic, you know, maybe that will speed things up. People are out of business. You might see them more out there. It, it would be interesting to see if the, the green movement puts so much share, uh, Sarah, so much fear in these publicly traded companies that they don't actually go in and capture market share because they're afraid of losing investors during this process. It might open the door for the smaller guys. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but you can see – if you're not too careful, you're ExxonMobil. You're going, okay, listen, we can, we 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 can't do this anymore. We, we gotta, we gotta, yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go to Iran or Iraq, rather, where no one's gonna talk about us. We gotta go to, you know, Angola or or uh, Nigeria, where no one's gonna pay us any attention or you know, whatever. But we're right in the Permian. We're we're taking too many negative headlines, and so we can. So again, I don't think it's gonna happen. But it is if you do start to see that, it act, might actually be better for the you know the, the kind of the, the the regular Joe, if you will. Um, I say regular Joe. The you know the non-majors out there, um, so just just something to follow. Again, not something I think is going to happen. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I, I was about to mention that uh, yeah, they were using some of that cube development um, with the way they were mm-hmm. uh, cube formations. Um, and when I went to some conferences, um, I don't know if that was like 2019 or 2020. It's kind of a blur now. But uh, they, they talked about how ExxonMobil their uh, cost to drill was lower than just about anybody's um, because of their efficiencies that they had, they had generated. So don't know if that's true or not, but if, if it is, um, when you see it, they're, they're a good company to watch to, to measure. But like you said, there's also the ESA, the environmentally sensitive or whatever, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, astronauts. Yeah. Really sensitive astronauts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I was thinking like that. Um, <laughs> all right, next uh, next article: Japan Inc. to invest fourteen billion in LNG development in Africa. So, uh, Ryan, you want to talk about the four billion people in the world that are have the potential to slide up from third world mm-hmm. to first world country? Mm-hmm. Japan is investing fourteen billion dollars to help LNG get developed so that they can have energy. Um, and just stop for a second. It's, it's amazing for me to think about the fact that people are generating electricity in a cheap manner that people can afford 
And there's actually people out in the world that are trying to argue that you should make it more expensive for the common people so that they can't afford to buy that. And, and gives, it gives us a chance to make more expensive electricity because right now they're making it so much cheaper than us they're killing us. And we're not going to be able to be successful. That's it. No, you're, you're right. And let me just point this out, Josh. One of the things that's frustrating is, is that if the world, if all things were equal, okay, um, I wouldn't really care what Germany did or didn't do. But what happens is um, when the U.S. or the EU uh, or EU nation starts to take hardline policy stances, the emerging markets are pressured to follow that same line of reasoning because we give them funding. You know, we start to push them this way. So if you go look at, um, you know, some spots in Africa, they have a very, they have a, you know, people who have, you know, maybe two master's degrees, but there's no jobs for one master's degree, much less two. It's like, well, you know, why do you have two master's degrees? I'm, I'm not against it, but it's like, well, you know, anything to do and master's degrees are important or, you know, so I went and got them. It's like, well, right. We probably should have worked on plumbing or electricity or whatever. And those are good jobs. Those are important jobs to build a civilization. Right. Um, and so it's not just the, um, the argument that maybe you could maybe make an argument that Germany is an advanced enough economy that they can run on renewables and they don't need coal anymore. Okay. That's a, that's a discussion you can have. The problem is it doesn't work like that. Germany says we are not doing this. Therefore you should not do this. Or, um, the emerging markets look to Germany and say, well, listen, Germany's doing it. Therefore we can do it. And so that's, that it's not just that. And, uh, and so it's very concerning because it's, um, it's, it's not as simple as just one of these large nation states making a decision. Those nation states should have influence at the, the United Nations at the, at the world bank and all this other stuff. And so, um, don't think that they don't push their policies. United, United States does as well to these emerging markets. And that's the problem as you're getting to is that if coal is cheap for people in Africa, um, well, what, what are your options? You can pay for something more expensive. And I, I don't know what's cheaper wind or solar or coal in, in particular African countries and all that. I'm not I'm just, just throwing out a hypothetical. If coal is the cheapest, just for argument's sake, in X African country, to do the more expensive thing is to make those people poorer. Yeah. Or, or you got to say, well, we're going to subsidize it, which makes us poor. Someone becomes poor by doing that. I'm not saying that now that you can say, well, we should do that. Okay. That's a fine argument to make that we can, you know, maybe we should sacrifice to help those people. That, that, that's fine. But those aren't the discussions we have, right? The discussions are, we must do this and there's just consequences for it. And those get ignored, it seems. All right. Last two articles. Uh, one of them is oil field service job losses near 90,000. Data soon. shows too soon, Josh. Too soon, too soon, too soon. Um, Rose Hill resources to Is join growing number. There? Did you put that in there? That's intern, yeah. Set, that was come, intern. On, come on, man. It's too soon. We'll talk about that in like 2047 or something. <laughs> yeah, too soon. After all the jobs are back, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, too, too, too soon. Too soon. Uh, Rose Hill Resources to join growing number of EMP bankruptcies. So we have uh, another uh, another company. Now, weren't they listed in, on Sergio's top African? Uh, no, top African. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Wasn't they? they were the last one. They, two. They had two uh, permits. Yeah, top Texas drillers. Okay. Um, two. Yeah. Okay. Well, getting it in, getting it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Well, I guess that is it. We have on drilling info or whatever in, in Interbus and Veris or whatever the name is now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Come on guys. next week. And so be fun. Hadn't had them on in quite some time. Um, 
And I guess that's it, Joshua. All right, nothing else to go yep, on? That's it. All right. Um, well, with that being said, we will be back next week. And until then, 